0: Surpassed, it used to be a newspaper. The Buff Podcast. Not outclassed. once en masse. Get it on lunch to and the end of the game. The Buff Podcast. Hello! Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. This is episode 198. A show that hits harder than George Thomason's left foot. And on the seven-in-a-row buff this week... Parky's promotion winners versus Everts Artisans. Who wins? The Bodvarson debate. Has he done enough to start? Conor Carti's dream loan ends with a trophy, but what next for him? Would you buy a bed from Ricardo Santos? And why did Belinda Carlisle and Mario Aspatero join forces? All of this in a podcast that releases its audio first and then we discuss it pointlessly with Michael Owen. This is Medin. Clough on this near side. Taylor galloping forward from left-back. Clough goes infield instead. And he's found Fella who finds the net. And that might be up from the Macron Stadium. Josh Fellow with his fifth of the season, two Academy products at Bolton combine to steer Bolt Wanderers into round three of the Cup. Before the merriment commences, it's time to let you know the biggest subscription sale of the whole year is happening right now. Bolton News has a Black Friday special, £6 for six months. So if you want unlimited access to local news, and let's face it, more importantly, Bolton Wanderer stories, then head to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe or follow the link in this podcast. Right, and now time to introduce my co-host and a man who will be appearing in pantomime this December at the Albert Halls, of course, it's Henry Hewitt. So anybody that wants a chalk ice at the interval, visit the concession stand and Henry will hook you up.
1: Uh, I will, yeah. I I did apply to be the uh, the ugly stepsister, but I'm too too pretty, Mark. <laughs>
0: too pretty to be the ugly stepsister. I heard you with the rear end of the pantomime horse was the the other the other backup option, but hey.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is yeah, that is true. But uh, you know, uh, anything for the anything for Panto, anything for the arts, Mark.
0: Do you know what? How long before we see a Bolton Wanderers player in Panto? Uh, which I mean, David Weeter. If you're listening, Weet, yeah. and I know you do, mate. Get it done. You there's there's yeah, no, yeah. you won't even need makeup, man, for Wid- Widow Twanket. <laughs> Wouldn't even need
1: makeup. <laughs> um, yeah, Weet on. Uh, yeah, I think he. Uh, I think he'd be good in pants. So I can't really think. We got to. You got to think of the, the characters, aren't you? The 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 players that have been proper characters, and um, you know, all footballers are now very. Uh, I don't know. Uh, very. Blonde, very vanilla, mm. so uh, I don't see any of the current crop. Uh, maybe George Thomason, he's always got a smile <laughs> on his face. He could be like uh, Dick Whittington. He could Yeah, um, like Buttons
0: or something. He comes <laughs> out yeah. the, lovable, the lovable loser. It could work. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, any uh, any suggestions of Bolton Wanderers' panto, please send them in. I've, this could be a, a unique pop, plot point that uh, that we've never discovered. But uh, seeing as it's festive season, why not? Get them in. Um, right, uh, it's been a great week. Another great week for Bolton Wanderers. Obviously, another two wins. The the one against Blackpool was memorable. We'll get on to George Thomason's goal in the second. Tuesday night at uh, Stockport, uh, a total dead rubber that nobody really needed to play. But nevertheless, seven wins in a row. Um, it feels pretty good, doesn't
1: it? It does, yeah. Uh, think back to the podcast we did um, around... Well, the podcasts we've done around certain results so far this season, and uh, this is going to be a very positive one, spoiler alert. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, no, it was, it's uh, they're playing well, and they're not conceding goals, which is good. Um, and I think, uh, you know, when, when we were winning but still conceding goals, I think in the 3-2 against Stevenage, for example... You always have that bit of worry that, um, you know, especially going up, if we're going to go up to the championship, you, for me, and I know the game now uh, is a very more, much more attacking sort of uh, mm. game, but you can't really be conceding 60 goals and getting promoted and expecting to do well in the championship. So I think if we, the the tighter we keep it at the back, which we are doing, um, will be better for us in the long run.
0: Yeah, the strike in the balance now, there's five, it's gone under the radar a little bit. Five clean sheets in a row. I think we would have been singing and dancing about that last season uh, with Traffing goal, but no. Fair play yeah. to, uh, well, to Joel Coleman and to Nathan Baxter as well. Um, five five clean sheets is fantastic. Seven wins in a row for the first time under Ian Ever. He'd done six in a row. He did do seven in a row uh, as a Barrow manager, but next time out he'll be going for eight. Bolton have not done eight in a row since nineteen ninety ninety one season. Phil Neal. Um, wow. So we're going back some, you know, 40 years or so there. Um,
1: yeah. Not even Bruce or Big Sam did that.
0: They um, all did seven. And... They all did seven. So Sam, Toddy, Bruce, Everett have all done seven in a row. But yeah, Phil Neal.
1: <laughs> uh, surely, surely against Exeter at home, he's got a win. Surely.
0: Right, there's no sureties at the Bolton. We should know <laughs> this by now. Let's just enjoy the present. Let's just enjoy the present before we worry about the future. Um, we'll we'll start with the the Blackpool game then, because obviously it was it was one. It, it felt like a litmus test. It felt like is this Bolton team has this Bolton team progressed since last international break? This felt like a defining moment, and for it to be won with. George Thomason's... I mean, it was a blast, a stunner. I don't know what you'd call it. It was brilliant. But for him, you know, an ex-Blackpool player to win it, it was really written in the stars, wasn't it?
1: It was, yeah. Um, you know, and I think it was it was a great occasion, you know. And, and um, you know, credit to Blackpool fans for, for coming in numbers. numbers. I mean, you would expect that uh, with a Seaside song. It did make me laugh when Bolton fans were singing Seaside, Seaside, what's the score? <laughs> um, but... Uh, yeah, it was it was a great occasion and um, a good game. Well, I say a good game. I think it was two teams that kind of cancelled each other out in sections. But you just felt going into the second half, if they were going to be... Uh, Bolton had more of the play for me. I think Blackpool were trying to hit us on the break. Mm. Um, and uh, I feel I'm so happy for George Thomason because there are times, and there was a time actually at the start of the first half, there's so many times for me where Dion has the ball and shoots and you look at Thomas he's screaming at him and he just, Dion just ignores him. So for Thomas just to uh, get, he got a pass off for of the other striker, didn't he off Bud Varsen? So uh, he finally got his pass and he showed us all what he can do. And, um, and I think, I think for this season, Thomasson's played so well and just for him to have his moment where it's, he, you know, he's man of the match. He's, he's got the winning goal. Um, I think really it was great for him. And like you said, against a team that um that let him go as a as a youngster which is so funny that you forget he's 21 like in the interview afterwards he said oh it was only 6 years ago and I'm like oh god like we we're having players now who were let go as kids from football teams who it was only 6 years ago um so uh, yeah so uh, no it was very good for him and um yeah credit credits to the team because i thought the I think what we've noticed with Bolton in the last, well, this season especially, is that when we are, say, a goal up and going into the last um, moments of a the game, they're keeping it quite tight. They're not yeah. really giving many chances up, which is great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, we'll get on to George probably a little bit later on um, and the interview he gave and a bit of his, his backstory as well. But I am I am really, really pleased. Remember, I am pleased just in general uh, because it, that, that result... Blackpool are a good team. They were well set up, and like you say, they mm. did cancel Bolton out a little bit because they were trying to play a very very similar game. Uh, but I thought there was some terrific performances. Uh, you know, Randall Williams, for example, I think is is playing out of his skin at the minute, and uh, we'll probably talk about him in a bit as well. Um, and what happened on Tuesday night. But uh, no, I, I thought I thought it was a very very professional, probably the most complete performance that Bolton are putting in this season in the league. And it just it's just such a difference compared to where they were after the Carlisle game or where they were perceived to be. And and at that point in time, Ian Everett... kind of batted for his players a bit and said listen you need to get this team you know I need to get all the players back fit I need to it's not as bad as it seems after that one result and I think again and it seems to be a a succession of life lessons following Bolton Wanderers but I think the reaction to that result and the reaction to individual results is perhaps something that everybody can learn from a bit and you've got to learn to take that step back and be a little bit more reflective of of where the whole thing's heading as opposed to just reacting to one result I mean it's easy said than done it's football it's an emotional game but it's uh it is a it is a bit of a lesson for me
1: it is yeah and i think it's 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 you've got to look at the context of a season and uh, we've said this before on the podcast that bolton aren't going to win every game in a season no team why
0: not why not
1: yeah (laughs) we should do we should yeah and (laughs) if we do lose then we should be able to uh quit the game without saving and then replay it uh, but, um, but no, we, we're not going to win every game. Man City haven't won every game. Um, it's it, it's how it goes. So we are going to have some some poor results. And unfortunately, with us being in League One, we, we're we not going to... You know, there are going to be some results that you look at and cringe and... and like, Bolton won Carlisle 3. Not on this planet should Bolton Wanderers be losing 3-1 at home to Carlisle. But it mm. does happen. And Derby have had some shockers this year as well. So, um, you know, I think... It's important for the context and for me watching this team now and watching them like against blackpool in every other season we'd have we'd have drawn that no nil i thought that was going to a no nil to be honest uh and we've got the win and i think that looking at bolton now and I, I i know this is dangerous to say but looking at how bolton are playing how they're recovering from setbacks the 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 squad we've got there's not one part of me that doesn't think we'll get promoted and I, I, I thought the other day. I thought actually, I think, I, I think we, we're proving all of these little doubts that we've all got. They're proving it wrong consistently. And I just think, you know, I, now we've, we've, we've clawed back a whatever it was, an a, an eight, and nine point gap on Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. We're one point behind and we're level on points with Oxford. I just think there's, okay, you can look at the Oxford and Portsmouth games in a few weeks. If we lose both of them there'll be obviously question marks around that Uh, january could be an issue but i think if we if we get through those two away games and then leave january without any of our big hitters going there's not one part of me that doesn't think we'll get promoted so there we go clip that up when we finish seventh in may but um You just yeah, set a
0: little, little alarm on my computer. It says, optimism alert. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Windows must shut down.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's how that's how I feel. And that's for you watching them the last this four or five weeks because you think of the results, that Blackpool game, we've gone to Charlton and Wickham and won, Shrewsbury and won. Uh, you're not conceding goals in two of them. We're not conceding goals. We're scoring plenty. We're getting, yeah, I just think it's you know I, I just think yeah it's 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 going to happen
0: to be mm. honest well I'd, tuesday night was a, another one i mean you know, Stockport 13 games in a row. And I know they made 11 changes, but you look at when they made those changes, I looked at some of the comments that the fans had made on Twitter underneath the, the announcement to the teams. and They were like, Oh, I can't believe we can still put a team out of such quality and making an 11 changes. You know, we, we, we keep the streak going tonight. They were generally optimistic that, that carries on. And they had a, a reasonable team out there. Um, Bolton six changes as probably as many changes as they could, they could make without going overboard. And, you know, it was pretty seamless. It it was, it was almost like watching Bolton full strength. If you know what I mean, that's that's the key to me. Is that they can make these changes and and the blueprint of of what is a you know a good Bolton performance or how Bolton play just seems to sort of run through now like a stick of rock and and that's that's quite encouraging. Never really looked in doubt. I mean, it could have been ten nil on Tuesday night. Let's be fair
1: yeah he could have and he should have been actually i was getting been, a, actually, yeah. <laughs> i was getting i was getting a bit annoyed in the uh, second half watching it um but uh yeah it's um yeah, they're creating chances and that's that's the thing and that was the thing that we were it was slight question mark at times this season but mostly last season um but uh, yeah i think it's it's such a weird one it our relationship with that composition is a weird one because Mm -hmm. no i I think it's not cool to say that you want to win the as it's now known bristol street motors trophy um yeah it's uh, it's not cool and even stockport fans the other day when we'd won were going oh well you know who cares about that and Mm -hmm. oh bolton aren't they cringe it's like our relationship is with it at home no one turns up. We get a thousand, two thousand there. Suddenly, we play a local away like Accrington and Stockport, and we're taking like half the crowd. <laughs> Do you know, like it's such a weird, weird relationship. Um, you know, we go to Wembley and take thirty thousand, and I think I it's it's a bit like I know cheesy pop, really. Do you know, like no one wants to admit that they secretly like I don't know Agadoo or something, but like the you know when he comes on at at, at a fiftieth birthday party, you. You yeah, you know you suddenly
0: know all the movements to Superman and things yeah
1: yeah exactly so I think that's that's what the the Bristol Street Motors Trophy is is that where no one wants to admit that they're actually bothered about it because if they lose they can go well we're not fussed but when you when you're winning and getting through and getting to Wembley suddenly you're like you're like oh this is great this this is uh, this is brilliant and I I personally think yeah you know take a thousand to stop but. It was. It seemed like a, great, a good atmosphere. It seemed like a bit of a, a bit of a laugh, to be honest. Especially yeah. when they were chanting at Paddy Madden. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't want to see Bolton lose any game. So if we got knocked out of this competition, I would actually be a bit a bit annoyed. So yeah, so it's as if some fans are going, "Oh yeah, we secretly want the team to lose just so we can say we're not bothered about it." When you know we had a great day out last year, and hopefully we can have one again.
0: I'd take it, I'd take it. The other thing with Stockport, of course, is a lot of those people, you know, 1,500 plus that went uh there, they will have been there a couple of years back for the FA Cup yeah. game, just a, a way to. And you never even managed to mention it, like exercise the ghost, just put it to rest. What happened that day was was a, one of the low points of, of Ian Everett's time, I think. And I think even he just fancied getting a game one there just to. And I will say this: this this could have been marvelous if I'd have had my phone handy. It would have been a lovely. It would have gone viral in Bolton circles. So, as we're finishing up. Um, and, and I was waiting for the player to come down. Um, who did do we speak to now? I can't even remember who we spoke to. But anyway, um, so we're, we're waiting at the tunnel, and, and Ian Everett had just finished his interview to so walk back towards the tunnel, and the secretary, Richard Cooper, was was just at the edge. As Ian Everett was just about to go down the tunnel, Anthony Sarcevic walked the other way, and they would have virtually collided had it not been for Richard Cooper just stopping him for a second just to talk. And, it, <sighs> and the glance that Sarcevic, kind of the side eye, like, I've got to hurry up here and get down this tunnel. You should have seen it. It was great. It was a really, oh. really funny moment.
1: It's, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Want, I I did think, funny that he got an injury uh, at yeah. the well, knowing you know. that half the crowd would have been Bolton fans. But I think it's it, it, you look at that situation and, and I can get what Ian Everett's saying, and I'm sure for him it was laying the ghost a bit. I, for me... I'm not even that bothered. You know, if your teams lose to lower league teams and that's what Stockport were and still are, to be honest. And, uh, you know, if we both get promoted this year, they will still be a lower league team to us. But, um, you know, I think it's, the thing is, both teams have moved on, Bolton have moved on and I don't think there's any Bolton fan on this planet that says, oh, I wish Sartovic still played for us. And to be fair to Stockport, The rate they're going, do I see Sarsavic being a player for them in League One? Probably not. The same thing's going to happen again, where they'll get promoted, not use him really, and then he'll go and sign for whoever's splashing the cash in League Two, because he's a good League Two player. So I think we should all move on from it. And uh, uh, and, yeah, we'll... uh, We'll just put, I mean, Stockport to me, they were similar to Tranmere. do you know, like the kind of rivals, but let's face it, traditionally they've not even been in our league. So it's, you know, to some fans, I'm sure, in like with Tranmere, I'm sure in 30 years, a generation of Bolton fans will be like, oh, we don't like Stockport because uh, of Sarsavik. And then all the other <laughs> new fans will be like, well, we've not played Stockport in 25 years, so who cares? <laughs> what, yeah, what's a yeah. Sarsavik? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I get
0: that, I get that. It's, uh, I I'm, I'm just remembered, I was talking to Yon daddy about Varson. Of course I was talking to you about Donnie McFarland. What an idiot. I, do you know I, my My memory's going. It's age, I swear. Uh, right, okay. So uh, what I need Henry to do now is to remind me of what I did in the newspaper this week in a little segment we call Headlines.
1: News. Well, we're going to start off from... Um, The EFL trophy the other night, the Bristol Street Motors trophy, as it's officially known. Um, And a few things that came from that. Uh, Ian Everett has has been talking about the trophy itself and why people devalue it. Mm. He said it's all down to the timing. What did he say on this?
0: Yeah, I think he was a little bit miffed that the game couldn't have been played later on when he didn't have five internationals out. I um, didn't ha- didn't mind in the in the end the team was still strong. I think probably he risked a few players that he probably didn't want to. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably come on to the Randall Williams thing, but I think him and Dakers Cogley were both in that kind of zone. Whereas if he'd had the real opportunity, he probably would have switched things around so that neither of those two would have played. There were probably a couple of others that fell into that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean. It's a weird thing, isn't it, that the AFL make a big thing over you've got to play certain amounts of players who've played in certain amounts of time. When you drill down into it, you've got to work really, really hard to break the rules in this competition. Um, but they do make a big thing over you've got to play a certain strength team, and yet, you know, didn't really give Bolton the option to play their strongest team, which is a bit disappointing. But hey, um, they found a way. I th- I, the other thing is that I've. The, The thing I learned this week is that when Ian Everett starts talking about, you know, I might have to weaken my team play youngsters, he only really means it a little bit. He very rarely... I've never seen a weak team. No matter the competition, there always seems to be a very strong spine through it.
1: Yeah, it's... um, And that's to Ian Everett's credit. And that's, you know, we won the competition last year. So it's... Like I said, I I think it's a great opportunity for teams like Bolton to win a trophy and people mm. can laugh, but you know, you, you look at some other clubs and think, well, when was the last time you won anything? Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, so I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think it, the, and I, to me, it's a great opportunity to kind of flex your muscles with your squad. Like that Bolton team, like you said, the other day were, was a strong team mm. and we should have actually won six or seven nil. We do completely dominated the game. and and it, it's, it flexes your muscles and I think it says to the fans that we have got a good squad and I think I genuinely think we do. And yeah, when we get five or six injuries it looks bare. But on the whole, you look at the players that came in and you and the players that were left out and you think, Well, actually a lot of if we played with that team we played the other day, we we, we wouldn't get relegated. We've actually finished may, maybe pushing the playoffs. Mm. And that's our effectively our second our second strength team. So mm. Um, so yeah, it's it's good, and I'm I'm glad that Ian Ever has this relationship with it because you yeah you you look at you know you, you do look at some other teams and it, it just baffles me sometimes that we, and it, again I think it's because it's seen as this cringy competition some managers just play under teams and get out of it just so I yeah I don't know it's and and as well it's it's one game a month it's not yeah. that much more. Yeah. If it was like a Champions League format where you're playing six games within eight weeks, then I'd understand it, but you're not. So I, I don't know. It's To me, I'm, I'm happy with it. it. It is the lowest in the priority, I will admit that, but it's still a great chance for us to win a trophy. So, yeah, go for it.
0: The one thing I do regret a little bit about Tuesday night is that some of the players who really needed to... Further their cause, and I'm talking about Dan and Lundlou specifically, but Cameron Jerome as well. Aaron Morley, they had chances. Uh, I thought Dan and Lundlew was really good on the day. I noticed a few comments that probably disagree with that um, after the game. I don't really get where they're coming from. I thought he was really good. I mean, he could have had four assists um, on the day, should have had at least a hat trick. Morley. You know he played really, really well. All that was missing was that kind of final touch, and he was unlucky with the one that bounced off the the post. And and Jerome again, just needs that goal to go in to get him to get him going, I think. But he does a decent job. But unfortunately, you get you get judged on goals, don't you? Completely as a striker, and, and it's whilst those zeros are still next to a uh, or a uh, Jerome in particular they're never going to get the same sort of love as as a Dion or a, a Um I think it'll come though. I think, you know, I think they're showing for me a, a, a decent attitude when they are coming onto the pitch, which is quite encouraging.
1: Yeah, well, we've got Harrogate at home in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, let's face it, with whoever we play in the next round at home, um, we're going to be playing a team that's below us. I think Oxford, uh, no, actually, I think Portsmouth are through actually. So technically with uh, a, I don't know Oxford are through, but we we're going It'd to be, be second. Northern off. anyway,
0: won't it? So it's only the right. Think, well, with a, the, the worst highest you can get is Barnsley at the minute.
1: <laughs> that we the highest, uh, and that's just because you. Well, we won't have to go to Barnsley, so. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> the well we're going to be the highest northern seed in the yeah. competition. So yeah, whoever we are playing is going to be below us. So it could be a great chance for. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think in he's... It's difficult because he he is judged on goals. And I think there are times where he just takes a touch too, long, too many or he, he's a bit Bambi on ice. Um, but I think if he's, yeah, he could just need that goal. He gets that goal and it, it sets him off. And, um, you know, I think he has improved from the start of a season. And uh, I thought the other night, yeah, he played all right. And I was desperate for him to score because I just, you just know that, if if he just scored six or seven goals this season, the other stuff that maybe he takes a touch too many or he's a bit, you know, I, no one would care. But the fact that he, he hasn't scored and it's the same with Adebayo at the moment. I think Adebayo's hold up play is, is, has improved so much and he's a, a very good player, but he hasn't scored since whenever, August or September. So again, he's now starting to be judged on, well, where's the goals coming from? Uh, and that's why this debate with Bodvarson's coming because Bodvarson has scored too. He played well against Blackpool, and now it's like we will get him back in the team. So yeah, I hope but for Lundeloo, Jerome's Jerome Jerome's. I, I think Jerome's too old to care, to be honest. But he he's the same. He needs a goal, and he he probably should have scored the other night when he was thrown goal. But uh, yeah, for Lunderloo, yeah, hopefully he can he can score a few before Christmas.
0: Give us another headline then.
1: So uh, this is uh, this was an interesting one because we all were worried about the team Ian Everett played the other night, thinking, well, if we getting injuries, Point all pointless. Randall Williams comes off after 10 minutes and we're all like, oh, here we go, right, he shouldn't have played him. And now it turns out that he's fine and it was all miscommunication.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was weird because when the board went up, I, like... Williams came jogging over as if there was no problem at all and he did go straight down the tunnel, but normally there's at least like a little bit of a limp or, a, or you know a, a exhale of breath you know if you've you hurt your shoulder Osman there was nothing at all and I was thinking what's going on but as it turns out, obviously Ian evers up in the, the director's box because he was suspended for the game. It looks as if Williams had taken a, a knock against Blackpool got another knock early in the game that he'd communicated to Matt Barris and and the physio and and he'd just taken note of it. Somewhere along the lines, he said something to Ricardo Santos, who's then passed that message on to the bench, and the bench have said, right, well, I'm not taking any risks, you're coming off. But nothing extra ever happened. There was never like a second challenge so I don't know what's happened. Um, as they, as Ian Everett said, it was miscommunication. It's, it's funny because you won the game. Um, had, that, had that cost the game, then I'd imagine there'd be a, a full-scale inquiry going on about now. But um, no, I think what we need to do is to maybe crowdsource some of those little headphones that Sam and Little Sam used to use. So if, if Ian Everett's going to spend any more time in the director's box, he can, he can sit there and, and, and chat away to his heart's content, maybe
1: yeah yeah like big sam used to yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah it did it did make me wonder when i saw that when i saw that um <clears throat> the manager will be up in the director's box for the Stockport game i thought hmm, i wonder i wonder if he had that on his mind in the second half against blackpool and uh because it just seemed to come out of nowhere the uh the booking so yeah. i hey I, if anyone from the fl is uh is listening to this i ain't i'm not suggesting anything i'm not suggesting anything but we'll wait and see now if uh, if uh, the the last game before Christmas is it Leighton or in at home maybe if he if he says something then that gets him uh, a loftier position for the Boxing Day game, we'll know that oh he he fancies a a, a decent Christmas Day.
0: Yeah, the, the, I don't often write about managers treading the managerial tightrope. There's always a story just before Christmas where you list off the players that are, uh, are treading the, uh, the the disciplinary tightrope. Um, and invariably, it will be George Thomason. Let's be honest; he's he's, <laughs>
1: yeah. he's, he's
0: basically a circus performer with the disciplinary type rope. So we can guarantee there'll be some sort of ban in the offing that uh, they will have to avoid. But M um, J Williams is also a, a good one back in the day that uh, that he used to uh, always be on that sort of level. But yes, uh, it would be interesting to see uh, these managerial. Uh, what I need is somebody to tell me how many bookings they've everybody's got because you can look on. Like Soccerbase or BBC or you know Soccerway, there's loads of different um, databases to be able to check for players. There's nothing for managers. It's really messy, and and the FA website is appalling for that sort of thing. Considering this, the English FA must be the biggest. I mean, it's one of the one of the originals. It's it's must be one of the most well funded organisations in world sport, and yet they cannot get a website that gives you just a, a straightforward, this is how many bookings a player's got, or this is how many, you know, games a player is banned for. It's terrible. Awful. If you're listening to FA, which you're not, I know, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's rubbish. Sort it out. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, well, Ian Everett will be getting his uh, knuckles wrapped for, for getting booked in the Blackpool game, and you'll be getting your knuckles wrapped. I don't know if the <laughs> FA can do that, but, uh, for suggesting they need to upgrade their systems.
0: Uh, anything to get a story in the international break. Sometimes I have to generate my own copy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, moving on to the, the last thing, um, really, from Tuesday, and it's John Daddy Bavars. And of course, he scored his two goals, although if you were watching on uh, Wanderers TV like I was, you only saw one of the goals. Um <laughs> and eighty minutes of the match, um. But uh, yeah, he's he's thanked the fans for their continuous support. Mm. Um. But he's also had his say on, uh, you know, his international career as well, hasn't
0: he? He has. Yeah. So I mean. It was really good to see him back talking to the press afterwards because it's, it's been a while for him. I spoke to him pre-season about getting his his career back on track after that ankle injury. But a bit like Josh Sheehan, a bit like Jack Iredale, you kind of have to find your way. It doesn't just happen all at once. And, and I think they've had to manage him um, so that he doesn't have any sort of relapse or breakdown. I think he's now getting into that stage where you can consider him a first-team choice again. And I dare say a lot of the talk over this international break is going to be whether or not your daddy Budvarson starts against Exeter, or whether Victor and starts. And then I think there's an argument for both. Um, I I think form now starts to lead you towards Budvarson. Whether Budvarson and Charles can work as effectively as Adebayo and Charles, there's the debate for me. But yeah, he's he's basically said he he's feeling as you know as, as good as ever. He's, he said. It's been a tough few months, but every time you jog down the touchline as a substitute and you hear the fans sing your name, it kind of lifts your spirits. And, and it was a really nice chat. It um, is international break, and I said about his, his kind of future with Iceland, been in a big turnaround in the Icelandic squad. A lot of young players coming in. And and he said, I want to be a part of it. He's, not, he's, he's stepped away from the squad a couple of times. He's not been involved, obviously, since uh, the turn of the year when he got an injury. So, it, ergo, it, it could be time for him to start thinking about whether or not he's got a future there. But he feels that he has still got one major tournament left in him and he wants to get involved. So, good luck to him on that one. Hopefully he gets the first team football which he's going to need to push into that group of players now, um, at international level, and and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy, really.
1: Yeah, I think everyone, every Bolton fan roots for him, and uh, I think that's again, it's the goal scoring thing. Is that he's scored goals? He's he's proven the the uh, four months he had at the end of the season when he signed for us, and then last year. And I think if it wasn't for the injuries, would he be pushing Dion Charles figures? possibly maybe not yeah. but he'd still be you know he, he's still put himself in positions to um you know to to make those opportunities and he's proved that over and over again and I think uh you know he, he is an asset to us and he's he's a goal scorer so um yeah hopefully he can remain fit and uh you know if we end up seeing him in the Iceland team as well as the end of the season you know he has kept fit so mm. that will be uh that'll be good and it's you know it's we had this discussion about uh, games being called off for international duties and uh, as annoying as it is for the, for the for the fans that we won't be playing Cambridge on a Saturday and I'll be on a Tuesday. Um, I think overall, the more Bolton players we have on international duties, better for the club. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he can get back in the team.
0: Give us another headline then.
1: So apparently this is the best side that Ian Everts ever had. Mm. Uh, would you agree with that?
0: Yes, interesting that you should say. Well, I, I think it's probably given in that he's, he's, he's in the highest league position that he's ever had. Um, yeah. But I think, yes, I think this is the best shape that a Bolton team has been in, including the one that went into the playoffs last season. I, obviously, the, the Trafford and the Bradley situation, the, the Kieran Lees, they were, there was probably little aspects of that team that you would like to graft into this one, maybe. But I think as a confident and and a kind of tight knit dressing room. This to my untrained eye looks as good as it's it has been and, and Ian Everett kind of affirmed that after the game at Stockport. And going back to what you said earlier, there is just that little vibe about them at the minute. It wasn't necessarily there. It looked a little bit inconsistent before um maybe the first ten games of the season, but that is slowly building and improving. And if they can continue this sort of form, I mean, I think it's a given. But, I mean, nothing's, nothing's simple at Bolton. <laughs> nothing's well, simple. I, again, though, I just go back to that overreacting. I think they're they're probably learning to deal with adversity better. And I think that's probably the biggest the biggest thing at the moment is that they are tight, tight-knit enough that the spirit within that squad is tight enough to deal with the pressures and the blows that are inevitably coming along that, playing at a, a club of this size.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I know I did say that I do fully expect it to get promoted. That still stands, even though nothing is simple at Bolton. But um, yeah, I think it's. Some people will argue that last year's was better because it had the Trafford's and the Bradleys in it, but they're not our players. And I think we, you know, when you look at the players, okay, we've got like some Magoma on loan at the moment, and um, but to be honest with Magoma, it wouldn't surprise me if he ended up becoming our player at the end mm. of the season. There's more, whereas Bradley and Trafford, there were no way that was going to happen unless he came on loan again. But, um you know, you look at Magoma and think, well, yeah, he's, there's a clear plan of action. Same with Zach Ashworth. So we've yeah. got these loan players, but realistically, the, the kind of our players, I know we have got an option on Ashworth. So, um, so yeah, I think in, if you look at the actual squad and the, the players that are our players, then, yeah, I would agree. I think this is the best the best team we've um we've got and i think we say i mean trafford was trafford trafford okay Is trafford better than baxter probably yes but again he's not our player so i would rather i would put baxter against i don't know a, a, a more of a, say a remy matthews a player you know the last goalkeeper i can remember who was actually ours other than matt Jilks. and yeah we have improved from that so um you know i think uh I think the squad is and like you said, the position league position says it all, even with Trafford and Bradley, we weren't third in the league, were we? And no. at the moment we're we're ahead of that two, you know, that on average two points a game, but Ian Everett looks for. So on at the moment we are actually on course to get in the nineties, high nineties, which is what Sheffield Wednesday got last year. Mm. So we are doing as well as what they were doing. Um so yeah, you've got to say it is a it's a better squad.
0: Yeah, I'd be very careful of, of using Sheffield Wednesday as a model for Championship football. But <laughs> let's, <laughs> yeah, let's forget all about that. Let's have another headline.
1: <laughs> um, so uh, this, uh, we were all rooting for Conor Carty on Sunday in the, uh, the the Irish Cup final, and his team won St Patrick, So well done to Conor Carty. He now comes back to Bolton, and there's a whole new debate now on uh, where he fits amongst our strikers. Um, so where, do, what do you see? happening with Connick Carty because he's coming in halfway through a season. He's he's obviously going to have a month or two off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's had a, a long season because the Irish season runs in the summer. So he's now finished his season with them. Um, he'll come back presumably in January. Where does he fit with Bolton Wanderers?
0: Well, yeah, he can't play for Bolton's first team until January because it does run window to window, I'm told. So The the idea of like Giving him a couple of goes in the FA Cup or anything like that, unfortunately, he isn't to go until until January. Um, whether or not he sticks around at Bolton, I think that's the decision they've got to make. Personally, I do see them trying to get him back out on loan. I know he's been playing the Irish season when the first few months of this season. Um, but I think they'll try and get him out after Christmas, maybe give him a little bit of rest beforehand, but then try and get him back out. I can see him playing league too. I really can. Um, I think he, he looks, to me, ready for that sort of move. Lots of really, really positive things coming from the B team management and the coaching staff at the academy on him and the development he's made with extra exposure to, to real senior football. So I think they'll do their level best to get him out to a level higher even than Combeni or or or, or uh, Max Conway, who's gone in a AFC filed, I think he's he's got a very good chance of, of being loaned out at League Two level in in January.
1: That would make sense, I think, because um, I think within the the Bolton strikers, you you probably you are looking at it actually maybe a, a, a an understudy to Dion Charles. He, he, we've had this discussion where you look mm-hmm. at Butvasson and Londelew, Jerome and Adebayo, They're all of the similar sort of ilk, you know, a tall striker. Uh, whereas Carty's more of a Dion Charles. So maybe he could fit in as uh, coming on for Dion Charles. But um, yeah, I think if... I I would be disappointed if he went back to Ireland because then that means that, okay, halfway through next season, we're going to have the same issue. Mm. But yeah, I think if he can get to uh, League Two or even lowest part of League One, maybe the team could take a punt on him. He's would be great for him and it, it can give him that experience within uh, the English leagues because, again, he, he's, I know he came from Wolves, but he's not really had that experience of playing in the English leagues. Um So, yeah, I think League 2 could be a great shout if Ibi goes back out on loan, gets a few months there and then comes back in the summer and we can uh, probably assess him depending on what league we're in.
0: Yeah, he's a finisher. I think Ian Everett said... After he scored against Tranmere last season, that he sees a real finisher in Connecarty, and I think the the physical aspect and the the experience that that loan will have given him might just might just have pushed him to a level where he can play league football now. So exciting times, exciting times. I shall uh, be speaking, hopefully, to, to Matt Craddock about him uh, next week. We're we'll hopefully sitting down and have a, a bit of a chat. So it should be should be interesting to hear his thoughts on, on a lad that's probably the, the B team's biggest success story so far, really. Um, a final headline, perhaps, Henry?
1: Um, well, just before we do, I, I just actually... Um, you mentioned Matt Craddock there. Obviously, yeah. he's been... Uh, appointed as the first team coach um, just a quick one on him i guess yeah. it's a, it's a natural progression isn't it from the b team
0: yeah i, I think it's an interesting one I, I spoke to Ian Everett about it um a couple of days ago and he, he he kind of is he's aware that a lot of people are looking at it and saying oh this could be the easy option uh, because he's obviously come from the b team it's it's not going to be a massive amount of money to bring in a, and had, they had a lot of uh, by all accounts, a lot of um, experienced people put their hat into the ring for this one. Um, but Credit did well. Obviously, the results have gone well. They've they've been impressed with what they've seen with him. He he's matched everybody, all the external candidates that applied for the job. Um, says uh, says Ian Evatt. Um and I think what they're trying to do, and this is this is interesting. I think that. They're they're trying to generate coaches from within and keep that going, the old kind of boot room theory that they used to have at Liverpool. So they want to be able to bring coaches through from the B team into the first team as a matter of course. And so the the philosophy, if if you buy into the old coaching phrases, the DNA and all that nonsense, uh, you know the the footballing principles that Ian Everett has are starting to run down now, and you can see that when you see Julian Darby's 18s or uh, the B team, they're they're playing the same sort of football, and so they're trying to bring in coaches who've got the same ideas and and have it kind of running all the way through, like the old Blackpool Rock I mentioned earlier. So. That's that's the idea, and 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 Kredic seems to be the first one of that. I think we should expect more. I think if I was Andy Tutt right now, I think you know I, he he's got an exciting future, hopefully as a coach as well. Who knows? Um, they're now looking at the B team, and and they feel like they've got a, a a person in mind. I think for the B team, so that's. I don't think an appointment for that is going to be too far away for that one. So, um, yeah, interesting times. I like the idea of a Bolton boot room. I have to say.
1: Yeah, me too. The Liverpool one was famous and we now can do one. The 2024, we'll give them a few weeks, 2024 version uh, <laughs> at, uh, at Lost Stock. will be great. Uh, right. Final headline. And uh, it's just Rico Santos's bed advert. Explain.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I give you notes that make no sense. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, so, yes, I mean, anybody that's technologically savvy, and, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not one of these people that sit and scroll through Instagram or TikTok much. I don't obviously do Twitter. People know I do Twitter because I've got to. I don't really spend much time. However, uh, Young Dan Barnes does. Young Dan Barnes is our digital eye. And uh, the other day he, he says, Have you seen this? gave me uh, what I assume is a TikTok um, of Ricardo Santos effectively selling a mattress. Um, so he, <laughs> he was basically doing a voiceover for a bed advert, um, <laughs> which was just marvellous. Now, I can't really uh, give it justice, so I've, I've taken some of the audio and, and I'll play this clip now.
1: What's going on, my people? My Simba mattress just landed. This one's brazy Can't lie, I've never had a better night's sleep You can unzip the top layer of the mattress to put in a wash So if it gets dirty, don't stress You know your boy had to go all out I got the Simba Hybrid Locks This mattress has 10 layers and it also guarantees maximum support and pressure relief One of my favourite things is that it has a bamboo wall layer to help control body temperature Time to get my beauty sleep he's
0: so i think he's got a future in in voiceovers i want to buy a bed mattress now um he i had a chat with him about it he knows i've done it i've not completely thrown him under the bus um yeah i think he uh i think he's now sleeping more comfortably i can say that i'd imagine that the the company uh who has uh, has now furnished him with a with a lovely with a lovely mattress um yeah. and i i dare say that the sales have uh have gone through the roof i think there's a there's a big future on QVC for him
1: there is i thought there was there was a line that he missed the trick on and they missed the trick going he could go when i'm not looking for clean sheets on the pitch i'm wanting clean <laughs> sheets in the bedroom <laughs> and with the new this whatever Simba the company's called, called. simbra yeah, yeah, mattress yeah. uh that's what i uh, that's what i get with a comfortable <laughs> sleep um yeah no uh well yeah fair play to rico santos he's uh he's he's got his fingers in a few pies hasn't he we've seen him on uh the uh streaming mm-hmm. uh, call of duty and he's been in music videos and stuff so yeah no good for him
0: yeah he's a top top man apparently it took him about four hours to get that get that down i think he's i think his his wife was uh was a particularly harsh director i think when she was trying to sort <laughs> that video out but uh yes good stuff Rico on QVC. Make it happen. Make it happen. Okay, right. We've got an interesting little debate here. It came up from an email um, from one of our listeners, um, whose name escapes me now, so I'm going to have to try. Oh, Roy. Uh, Roy sent us an email, um, and he he basically said, on the back of what Ian Everett talked about being his best ever team, who's best? The class of 23-24, Ian Everett's artisans, or Phil Parkey's... Uh, well I don't know hoof balls I don't know (laughs) let's let's discuss So, yes, compare and contrast. I think the best way to do it is to break it down into positions. Goalkeepers, defence, midfield, strikers. And then we'll leave one for the manager as well. Um, And we'll see what we think, Henry. But we'll open this up to the floor as well. If you've got any thoughts on it, do email in. uh, Or do uh, find Henry on uh, Twitter, not me, because I don't need it. Um, So... (laughs) Let's talk about goalkeepers. So, Bolton won promotion in 2016-17. Uh, they were... Uh, there was a lot of... There's a lot of backstory. a lot of context. Obviously, they were under a degree of embargo. And they had uh, ownership issues, to say the very, very least. There are, there are chapters and verses that could be written about that season. Um, but they did have a decent budget. And in fact, the budget they had that season is bigger. Much bigger than the one that they 've got right now um wow. much much bigger by about five million pounds in fact, so you're talking huge almost you know not double but n- nearly double um so I think that's worth bearing in mind a little bit obviously that wasn't phil parkinson 's fault he 's inherited a team that's just been relegated from the championship and still had a lot of legacy players, a lot of players who had. Kind of Premiership contracts, the Spearings, the Vellas, the Wheaters, the uh, and Wheat will hate that. By the way, me saying that, uh, Gary Madine. There are a lot of players who are on decent wedge, so it was you've got to factor all this in. Um, but let's look at goalkeepers. Let's bring bring the first the first section in. So we know who we've got this season. We've got Nathan Baxter, who I think has been really good, and Joel Coleman, who's been a very, very able understudy. Um, but back in 2016-17, we had Ben Anik, and we had uh, Mark Chomp Howard. He of uh, Welcome to Wrexham fame. I've, I've noticed Chomp's yeah. got uh, a couple of mentions on there, and he's doing a bit to camera. It's, they're all getting a bit Hollywood, this team. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I was a big fan of Anik, uh, and and to a degree, John, but he didn't have as many games, not, not as many high-profile games. And when they did go up to the championship, and it was was there, he he, he obviously had his issues, um, and and he found it difficult. I think a lot of the the stuff that happened afterwards with Bolton, which which then bled into his own life. Um, but as a goalkeeper, I thought he was very very solid. Um, but, but something tells me Baxter's just got the edge on this one.
1: Yeah. I... When when you initially said we were going to talk about this, I thought, no doubt, this team's much better than that one. But actually, when you think about it, when when we're now going to go through positions on positions, it's actually more equal than what you think. And I think yeah. with this one, I, I think it'd be unfair... Joel Coleman's only he's not played many games, so I think it's unfair to really judge it on him. But I guess Mark Howard, I think he started that season, didn't he? And then he then yeah, came smells. in and... He finished yeah. it as well.
0: I think he played the last game against Peterborough as well. Mm.
1: So... I think yeah, it's quite even. I would probably yeah put Baxter up there um, just, but I think that that team they didn't score as many as Sheffield United, but they didn't concede a lot at all. No, no. So yeah, you, you'd say it was very even. I'd I'd probably yeah I would just go for Baxter, but it's very close actually.
0: Very very close. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you know a very very slight win there to, to the current team but it is really close so defensively now this is a really hot one because we know we've got them in it Santos Jones, Iredale, uh George Johnson, Josh Dakers-Cogley, Will Forrester, Owen Toll, uh, Zach Ashworth and Randall Williams quite a, an extensive bunch and we're including the wing backs in, in there. Parky's team played a flat back four so we've got full backs there are a couple of names in here that, that kind of stick out. So, Lewis Buxton, Dean Moxie, Dorian David, Mark Beavers, Derek Asidi, Andy Taylor, Laurie Wilson, Reese Wabara, and David Wheater. So, of the class of 2016-17, Wheats, Beavers, and, and you know, the, I think there's, there's honourable mentions for Taylor and for Wilson and for, for Derek, perhaps, Um there's a couple of names you'd probably forget there. Yeah. Uh, how, I mean, do, do, particularly Wheater and Beavers, I mean, they dominated that season. Let's be, let's be frank. I yeah. mean, they scored loads of goals. Like you said, defensively, they were brilliant. Do, do Wheater and Beavers as a partnership get in this team?
1: Uh. Well, no, because I think the, they wouldn't be as good on the ball. Mm. So, that they wouldn't fit in this team. But yeah, you're right. They they were, I mean, they scored a lot of goals as well, didn't they? They were having a competition amongst themselves at at the end. Mm. A lot more than what, say, Santos has scored. Um, But I would rather have Santos. So, that that, again, that's a really tough one because they, looking at it now, you would go, well, our defence, yeah, Santos and Forrester and Toll, and I know Jones, a few people are a bit iffy on Jones, but Jones is still, I would, I would say Jones is better than the, the rest of those names in the twenty sixteen-seventeen list. Mm. But it's just the partnership Wheater and Beavers had that season was a very good partnership. So I mean in I guess in a three you would put them two and Santos. I mean there'd be a God, there's man. no we're not conceding from corners, are we? Let's face <laughs> it. Jeez. But um would they fit in an Ian Evert team? Probably not. Um and I don't I know Be uh, will say and he'll show clips of him um, you know, doing Crife turns and and stuff, and he will say he was good with his feet. But would he fit in this? It's a hard one. It really is. I'd, I'd again, I'd probably, you know, what just to make it interesting, and just for that season and the, the what they had, I would go with Wheaters and uh, Weeter and Beavers just to make it interesting. But that's mm-hmm. not saying that I would want Santos out of this team because I wouldn't.
0: No, do you know what? I'm I'm with you. I think not only in a in a production point of view, I think the. Uh, <laughs> I think just the fact that those two centre halves were so important, um, that to to the promotion in in general, both in terms of defence and in terms of attack, I think they get the little nudge. That's yeah. I I I'm I think Weet could probably play in this team if I'm honest. I think he would be a Will Forrester type where he brought him in at the the against the right sort of players. But I think he could still manage it. He was pretty good. Weet to be fair to him. Um, midfield wise, now this is an interesting one. So we know what we've got at the minute uh, George Thomason, Josh Sheehan, Aaron Morley, Paris Magoma, Kyle Dempsey, and Carlos Mendes Gomez. We're counting him as a midfielder. So um, class of 2016 17, we have Jay Spearing, Jem Karakan, uh, Josh Vella, Viv Solomon Otterbaugh, of course.
1: Uh, of course, yeah, who can Mark him?
0: Davies. Mm. Liam Trotter, Darren Prattley, Phil Morace, uh, Liam Thorpe, Tom Thorpe, not Liam Tom Thorpe. Thorpe yeah. the bloody idiot. And James Henry. Um, yes, Tom Thorpe, of course. I, I, was, I was looking at that and thinking, I used to work with the Liam Thorpe. What am I on about? Anyway, so uh, there's there's quite a few in that, that 16 17, but I think if you look at the, the best four, I know Mark Davis only played very briefly towards the start of the season, but he still counts. I mean, of all those players, Mark Davis is the best player in that list for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh I have a soft spot for James Henry because uh after the Scunthorpe game, he gave a headline that had Bolton and Henry in it. So uh <laughs> I did like that. Um but I mean Mark Davis is the best player, but Mark if you go enough if you're going off talent across yeah. their career, Mark Davis gets in I mean Mark Davis uh mark davis and josh Sheehan. imagine them two in the same team they just Bloody no hell. one would have the ball off them yeah It'd <laughs> just yeah. been m2 playing amongst themselves but um going off that season i don't think you can mark davis just he was injured for most of it yeah. and then we didn't see him really after that did we so uh i'm gonna go in the midfield for this uh this team because i think you're looking we've we've got two sets of threes really mm. you know you've got your magoma thomason and Sheehan at the moment, and then replacing them, you've got Morley, you've got Dempsey. Um, you know, so, so yeah, so I think there's this midfield is, in my opinion, actually, this midfield is the best in the league. So you you, know you're going to put this one in.
0: Sorry, I'm going to split decision this. I, I, I think looking at those names now, Darren Partley played Premier League football, man. Filmerace. I don't need to explain on this podcast how important yeah. it has been to Bolton Wanderers. Jay Spearing, Josh Vella, that is a good midfield. That is a good midfield, and and we have got a good midfield right now but Bolton without a question. But I tell you what, a couple of those options I would love to be able to draw on. Um, you know, to be able to 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 use in this squad. Um, it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches, but I think mm. I'm going to go split decision on that. I think I'm going to. I think, I think you. it
1: depends. It depends on the manager as well. Would yeah. I, I? You know, I think you're looking at the Spearings and the Vellas, and they'd they'd fit into this team, but they'd fit in more of a right. We need to keep hold of a lead. We need to be a bit, you know, the dark arts maybe and win a tackle here and there. Um, you know, good players, and that was a good midfield. Phil Morais was excellent, um, and with our new, you know our new impact we've got on set pieces then film race would be very good but um yeah no i've got i've got a goal with this one so a split decision
0: mm. yeah uh, morley versus morace as well for 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 deliveries Oof.
1: that's
0: an interesting one interesting one right okay we'll move on to the attack then, because this again i think it's not straightforward it's not straightforward so Current options are Dion Charles, obviously, uh Victor Adipagio, Dan Lundalloo, Jon Varson, and Karen Jerome. Back in the day, Phil Parkinson could draw on Gary Medine, uh Connor Wilkinson, Max Clayton, Chris Long, and Adam Lafondre, and of course Zach Clough at the very start of the season. Mm. So that for me is a pretty well, it's, it's, Again, it's horses for courses. There is there is no better target man than Gary Medine, really, in, in that list. And there's probably no better goal scorer than Adam Lafondra in terms of a pure goal scorer and the level he scored goals at. But Dion scored more of them. It's a very tough one.
1: It is. If you're taking five from that list, I'm going Medine Lafondra, Charles, Adibiejo, and then odd Varson, so for that No, that
0: Clough in that
1: oh sorry i forgot about Zach Clough. yeah <laughs> change that so zach Clough, but um but then you've got lafondra zach Clough, and charles who have kind of you know i know yeah. charles offers a little bit different in terms of his closing down and whatever but you still got I, I don't see how any of it you know they they can't all play so mm. Um it's a it's tough, tough one because yeah. it's tough because Clough and LaFondra never played the, I know they kind of played with each other a few years earlier, but LaFondra came in as a replacement for Clough. So uh Yeah, that is a tough one. I'm, I would have to go, and this is this is no slight on Dion Charles because you know my feelings on Dion Charles, but um you get, you're probably you're probably gonna have to go with that. The, those three, that strike forced, Clough, Lafondra, Medine, you're going to have to go with them. Medine just for that season and the six months afterwards, Medine pre that season, there's no way Medine's getting anywhere near my team. No, um, no. Whereas Lafondra <laughs> in his previous time at Bolton and Clough throughout his time at Bolton would have done. Um, Charles, yeah, Charles, Bod had a be I'm going to have to slightly go for that, the 2016-17 the one, but that one's tough as well.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I'm just giving a very slender victory to 2016-17, but I think Dion gets in there pretty much regardless. But Bod maybe may be just above. I mean... You may change your thoughts as well. If if Baltimore were to go up this season and Dion scores 20 and then there's important goals in that, we're talking about a team that has actually been through that system where we've seen them score important goals. So there's kind of a bit of a nostalgia feeling to a few of these players. Mm. Um, So it'd probably be better done next summer, this kind of argument. In fact, I'm going to do it anyway because people have forgotten about it by that point in time. Um, (laughs) So we'll just record this and play it again in the summer. Give ourselves an afternoon off. (laughs) <laughs> um, right, we'll go for the manager then So, I mean, this is an interesting one So I- Ian Everts um, Obviously Has been um, I mean, hugely popular I-, I think there's always been a generational Kind of split a little bit between People that like Ian Everts' Brand of football um younger fans who like the way he talks and, uh, and conducts himself, then I think there is probably an older generation that maybe have a, a little bit of an exception to some of the sort of more bombastic sort of phrases and the, um, don't particularly identify with the football. Um, Parkinson is quite the reverse. I think he appealed to the kind of belt and braces people who had loved Allardyce and loved the kind of the the more old school values that he stood for um his team could play football i, I think that's mm. it's unfair to black brooks he got a lot of hoofball i said that at the top but i think it was unfair um some of it um but where do you stand does does evo get the edge here i, I feel like i'm leaning towards ever
1: i yeah this is a tough one because i think on a career parkinson has proved he's proved with bradford with bolton and i know He's doing it with Rexman, but yeah, he's doing it with Rexman I think we with the thing with Bolton and Parkinson, yeah, a lot of people when when we were winning, it was fine, and Parkinson I, again, you say what you want about what was going on at the time, but that Forest game, Parkinson was in charge, mm. uh, you know a few of the players like they were in that team, so they give us a generation of Bolton fans, probably our best moment as a Bolton fan when Wilbraham scored. And Parkinson was in charge of that, so I think it's, you know, I think if you look at them right now on in terms of career, you'd give it Parkinson just because he's been he's done it for more. He took Bradford to the League Cup final. He obviously took Bolton to the Championship and kept us up, despite the fact we 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 had a Sheffield Wednesday style start to the season. Um, whereas if you look in ten years and think, well, who do you think would be a, a premier league or a championship manager you're probably going to look at ian ever i maybe not 10 but maybe five you're probably looking at ian ever has got the i think phil parkinson can take Rexham up but as soon he'll get to a point where as soon as he loses a few matches they'll get rid of him mm. and go for someone more popular um ian ever if he sticks with bolton could get us to the championship and then he as a manager he could stick around there i think there's there's obviously you know, which I think a few of the older fans uh, would point out that he maybe needs to change his, his mentality and the things he says if, to a bit. Maybe that won't be as accepted up in the Premier League or the Championship. But um, you know, I think the style of football, Everett wins all day long. I think uh, in terms of me enjoying watching Bolton, I this yeah. is this team this is the, the yeah. Yeah, I enjoy watching this team more than any team we've had, probably since the Owen Coyle team. Mm. And, you know, so I think, uh, yeah, I'd probably sway towards Everett. But, you know, I I like Parkey. I think he was unfairly treated at times. But in that championship season, we got relegated. I know a lot of stuff was happening behind the scenes, but, God, it was dire. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) and I don't think we'd have that under Everett.
0: Going back to the point we made about the budget, I think, as... As much as there was a lot of weird and wonderful stuff that, that Phil Parkinson had to put up with, he did have a bigger budget. We're not working on the same numbers these days, so I think that's a that's a fairly important point to make as well. That whilst it felt like everything was underfunded at the time at Bolton, I think pro rata, you know, we are living in different times here. We're living in more with a more sustainable vision of a club and all that kind of stuff. So. Um I think there's always that little bit in the back of my mind that thinks, well Yeah, I think I think Everett at the minute is is doing a is doing a terrific job and if he can get promotion and move level in terms of the the standard of football that Phil Parkinson managed up as well, I think he probably edges it based purely on on the modernism of his football and the the kind of the expansive way that the team plays. So wow. Um I think that's Looking down the list, I think we're on a draw, really. I think we're on a draw. I don't think there's a lot of difference at all. I think we've got two wins, goalkeepers and manager, and then we've got defenders and strikers for 2016-17, and then one split decision. Please, folks, let us know if you uh, differ your opinion to ours. Um, So, right, last thing on my list is going to be a bit of who are you. Blink, and you missed him who are you here today gone tomorrow who are you blink and you missed him who are you here today gone tomorrow who are you so if you're new to this segment uh each week we take a letter this letter is e um, and we spout out some weird and wonderful facts about three players beginning with E, or whose surname begins with E. Um, you, the listeners, have supplied me with all three of these. In fact, one listener has supplied me with all three of these. Thank you very much to James. Um, so, are you ready, Henry? With your sliding scale, you uh, you rate these according to interest on the Dakers Cogley scale.
1: I do. I'm ready. And uh, it. I... Just a bit of praise to you, Mark, that you've give us content for the next 26 weeks. So uh, it's half a year's worth of content. Well done to you.
0: Absolutely. And then we're going to start all over again. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Three players. Let's see this podcast out with uh, some weird and wonderful facts. Okay. The first one, Zach Elbezedi. Are
1: oh, you ready? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, He would be disappointed not to make Ian Everett's best 11. I'm sure he would for those uh, six games he played.
0: (laughs) Didn't play that much um, on the promotion season from League Two. Uh, He he, he was really quick. I always thought he was one of the fastest players I think I've seen in a Bolton shirt. um, But he was Mm. always a sub always.
1: I I thought it was just because I had eye follow on two (laughs) two times speed.
0: Well, that's it. I got to see him in real life. He's one of the very few players that I've seen in real life that none of you guys have, you see. It was the weird and wonderful uh, COVID season. Came from Lincoln City, of course, um, but he actually left Lincoln the summer that Bolton came up to League One. And he ended up, and this is the interesting one, um, he ended up playing for AIK Solna in Sweden, who are top level top division Swedish team he played in Europe that season which is weird Um, but he's now playing quite regularly in the top division in Sweden Um, and he's 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 pushing for an international call-up for the Republic of Ireland as well which is interesting Um, but I've just read an article that he's also his dad is Libyan and he's He's basically a bit of a, a tug of war with Libya trying to convince him to come and play for them in uh, in their World Cup qualifying campaign. Um, but he's kind of holding out and hoping that uh, the that, that island are going to give him a call. Um, so if you think back a couple of years, I didn't really see that coming.
1: <laughs> no, and if I, Back to the Future is anything to go by, if you got a tug of war with the Libyans, you go with Libya. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I didn't expect that. So that is uh, on the Dakers Cogley rating. That's uh uh we've had we have had more interesting ones. I'm sure we'll have more interesting ones today. I'm gonna to stick that initially as a four, mm-hmm. but come back to me because if if you don't get better than that, it may push it up.
0: Okay, okay. You've got to keep a, a fairness on the Dakers Cogley scale. It's an international recognition of measure. Um. So second one is Robbie Elliott. We all remember Robbie Elliott, surely, Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, club record signing in the summer of 1997 when Wanderers were promoted to the Premier League. 2.5 million, I think, off top
1: of my head. Something uh, like that. God, it, that was, what, nearly 30, 25 years ago. And yeah. uh, we're, we're nowhere near. It's, it's funny, in the, the world of football where transfer fees go up, Bolton's have have come down quite a lot
0: I was saying this to my son the other day we were talking about club record transfer fees and I said uh, guess how much Bolton's is and he plays the FIFA and you know he he, he watches Premier League football quite a bit and he's like oh, what 25 million 30 million I'm like <laughs> nope 8.2 million um, under Daniel Brarton
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and what's a Daniel well, Brarton was- dad <laughs> To to be fair to Daniel Broughton, he was worth 20 million. So 28 million, (laughs) you know.
0: (laughs) If you'd been watching his YouTube clips, that's the only way he'd be worth 20 million quid. Um, But yes, weird and wonderful. Yes, Robbie Elliott's 2.5 million pounds. I think it was broken um, quite soon after that, wasn't it? But anyway, he's now living in Portland, Oregon, um, and he works for Nike. He's based over in the US now, which is lovely. And so that always brings a little uh, nod of encouragement from... uh, from henry who loves his he's a yanker file <laughs> well
1: just mls <laughs> just mls um so yeah that's interesting
0: um so james has sent me a clip of an interview um that he had with the blizzard um and he's talking about a player he used to play with uh, faustino aspria another player i'm sure people won't need any um any introduction to colombian legend and an absolute head case by all accounts um, so he was talking about uh, living in Newcastle near Faustino Aspria um, and this is the quote that that James sent me um, on Aspria Robbie Elliot says he was mental he just had an open house I think he lost his deposit on his house because there were gunshot holes in one of his walls he was absolutely crazy <laughs> so you know i mean we've we've all been students uh we've all lived in digs and and maybe lost a bit of security deposit for you know blue tack on the walls or you know maybe the odd uh, drawing pin here and there but gunshot not so much
1: yeah um i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest with that one now that he lives in uh portland and doing stuff for Nike. That's interesting. Yeah. That's pushed it to a five. <laughs> but the rest of that is purely a story on Aspria. So if Aspria, if we're doing A's and players who played for Newcastle, Aspria would be off the Dacus Cogley chart, no doubt. <laughs> but in terms of a Bolton Wanderers podcast, I'm going to purely just go on the fact that he now works for Nike and stick that as a five.
0: Oh, it's fair. It's fair. Look, we can't have gems for every single one of them yeah. until now, the third one. <laughs>
1: Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. This is why I said we'll, we'll stick um, Zach Elbazadi at, at four because I saw this name and thought, this is here for a reason.
0: Mario Espatero. <laughs> he, he basically sums up um, the forgotten Sam Allardyce signings. Um, he, he, he's a French midfielder, signed on loan from Mets in 2002 um, and played three or four games, I think. Uh, for the club. They, Bolton actually turned down the chance to sign him for for permanent 1.5 million quid. After which, he went on trial to Rangers. Um, he turned down a move to AC Milan for some reason, don't know why, um, and played most of his career in, in France and Belgium. Did okay. Did okay. Never really made the heights that he was maybe tipped to when he came to Bolton, but he, yeah. was, he was okay. He had a decent career. So, I'm going to ask you Henry are you aware of what a NIMBY is?
1: A NIMBY. Yeah. Um
0: it's an acronym. Oh no. So it's it's not in my backyard. Okay. So as a as a news journalist I, I I encounter NIMBYs quite a bit. So basically whenever there's a planning application you always get letters from people who object to it for several different reasons. Yeah, always, no matter what it is, somebody's always got some view about it. If you want to build a conservatory, somebody thinks it's going to overshadow the house, blah, 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 blah. So um, to link those two together, uh, Mario Espatero, um, since retiring, has spent a lot of time in his hometown of uh, Fréjus in the southeast of France. Um, And and back in 2014, he was involved in in quite a, a spot of high profile nimbyism um along with another resident of the town um are you aware of belinda carlisle
1: i know the name
0: yeah heaven is a place on earth circling the sand uh live your life be free that kind of uh, uh, she was formerly in the go-go's a very very big singer in the 80s early 90s um she lives in uh Frejus. Um, and Apparently, Mario Espatero clubbed together with Belinda Carlisle to write a letter to the local council, objecting to the opening of a KFC.
1: <laughs> right, yeah.
0: Which I love. I, I love the fact that it became common knowledge. Um, now that was it was several years. It's two thousand and fourteen. So, unfortunately, I can now exclusively reveal they failed i checked and it is uh there is an open there is a kfc Infra juice um and, and it's four euros 45 for three hot wings if you wanted to order
1: right well there you go that's um <laughs> that's i'll take that into my day uh that bit of knowledge uh i'm gonna just for i'm gonna stick that as a six and a half hour <laughs> day because godly rating <laughs> Uh, it's quite funny, actually.
0: The next time you hear the words Mario Espatero, you'll be thinking of KFC. I guarantee it. I will believe. I it will.
1: Carlisle. And and I hear I hear those words quite a lot uh, <laughs> in my life. So yeah, um, no, it's uh, I love. I, I am really enjoying this feature. I'm enjoying I, more, more than anything the random former Bolton players that uh, I, I've forgotten about. But take me back to I don't know LMA Manager 2003 <laughs> days or <some laughs> whatever I was playing then. Championship uh, Manager Four,
0: indeed, indeed. Actually, do you know what? I just got the uh, the Bolton Wanderers Club Manager two thousand three four? The one with I think he's got Nakata on the front of it.
1: Ah, um, uh, yeah, I forgot the yeah I forgot they they would bring out specific.
0: Yeah, it was like a bespoke games. Bolton Wanderers one. Yeah, I think yeah. there were t- there were two of them, so there might be one the year after, but this one's two thousand three four. Not not playing we'll yet. To do-
1: We'll have to when we're in the summer when we're looking for content we'll have to uh have a g have a game, see how how well you do. Can you can you win a trophy? Can you out Sam Allardyce Sam Allardyce
0: Absolutely. Well I noticed on the back of it it says uh, Mario Jardel it's got a big like profile of Mario Jardel. And I was thinking, How realistic is this gonna be? Like, <laughs> Mario Jardel is out for three to six weeks because he's just a eight, eighteen Big Macs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I did have the. Um, I've just Googled it actually, and I did. I did. Ha- I had the one that had care uh, and Nolan on the front of it. Right. Um, I had that one, and I, I can't really remember. I, I think it was one of those games where I was because um, I, I was just playing football manager or championship manager, so I never really played it. Mm. But uh, I do remember, I remember it vaguely.
0: We'll have to give it a whirl. We'll have to give it a whirl. Okay, well, this has been a, a lengthy podcast. Apologies for the overrunning, but we've—I think—we've crammed as much as I possibly could into this one. Because um, it's episode 198, after all. I mean, you know, we don't just—we don't just mess around. We don't just give you half an hour of, uh, of of somebody ranting on having not been to a game about whether Bob Varson should be in the team. No, no direct comparisons to any other co- uh, website there. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yes. Uh, have you enjoyed yourself, Henry? Have you, have you enjoyed episode I- 198?
1: I have, yeah, and as we always say uh, amongst ourselves, for some reason, whenever there is a international week, uh, and we have not not got a match to look forward to, our next week, for example, when we've not got a match to re- you know talk about, we still manage to overrun. Yeah. So, uh, make, you know, strap yourselves in next week because it's going to be a bumper six-hour episode where we'll somehow manage to find stuff to talk about.
0: 100 percent uh so if you get your get your who are yous in um that uh it'll be f next next time so i would imagine we'll get who, who, who've we got with f uh mark per, Fish, franson. per franson yeah any any weird and wonderful facts you can bring in about those guys whether they've objected to the building of uh, of a subway or a mcdonald's or you know maybe even a, a pret who knows um just uh <laughs> get uh, get those emails into us on the usual address until that time on next friday i have been mark isles
1: and i've been henry hewitt
0: and we did that the wrong way around but never mind um this has been the buff